Hello world, I'm Roger Corville and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. A couple of days ago, you and I were talking about how two weapons of Satan include one questioning motives, right? Most complaints against God that people have are moral complaints, right? (laughs) Accusing God of something. And the second being redefining things, words, etc. And today in the book of Luke, you're going to hear this contextually. My friends, there are plenty of people, non-Christians, even people in other religions who see Jesus as a guy with some good moral teaching. But what Jesus means is and what they mean, well, <laughs> hey, hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where Monday through Saturday we read through every word of God's mind in print and consider our own lives in light of that. Today's episode is brought to you by those who pray for this ministry and the Holy Spirit who graciously gives me breath. We got a bit to get to through today, so today I'm just going to pick up where we left off in Luke chapter 6. Picking up in verse 27, continuing with with, uh, the sermon that Jesus is in the middle of. Yesterday we heard about him talking about the relationship of the disciples to God. And this second part is about their relationship to other people. Luke chapter 6, picking up in verse 27. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies... Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. All right, pause. My favorite verse, meaning my favorite one to point out that is taken out of context, is the very next one. You got to listen to the whole thing. Here we go. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, 
but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye. When you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye. Hypocrite. And here's the lesson. First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? My friends, I'm going to say that again. That is a big problem in our church today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. That gets us up through chapter 6. All right, we're turning back to uh, a slightly longer chunk in the book of Numbers today. And today we set out on a journey, right? All that law giving at Sinai. I know you're probably getting tired of me talking about that, but today is the journey from Sinai to Kadesh, and I want it to all hang together all in one fell swoop. So that's what we're going to do, and we'll probably not have a wisdom segment but catch this narrative, because the latter part of it starts to reveal something really interesting, if not obvious, about human nature. Numbers chapter 10, picking up in verse 11. During the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud was lifted up above the tabernacle of the testimony. The Israelites traveled on the wilderness uh, on from the wilderness of Sinai, moving from one place to the next until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time according to the law, Lord's command through Moses. The military divisions of the camp of Judah's descendants with their banner set out first, and Nishan son of Amminadab was over their divisions. Nethanel son of Zuar was over the divisions of the tribe of Issachar's descendants, and Eliab son of Elon was over the division of the tribe of Zebulun's descendants. The tabernacle was then taken down, and the Gershonites and the Merorites set out transporting the tabernacle. By the way, if you run a business, don't you have an operating plan? Well, here we go. Or a country, for that matter. The military divisions of the camp of Reuben with their banner set out, and Eleazar son of Shedur was over their divisions. Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai, was over the division of the tribe of Simeon's descendants, and Eliasaph, son of Deul, was over the division of the tribe of Gad's descendants. The Kohathites then set out transporting the holy objects, and the tabernacle was set up, was to be set up before their arrival. 
Next, the military divisions of the camp of Ephraim's descendants, with their banner set out, and El Shama, son of Amahud, was over their divisions. Gamaliel, son of Pedazur, was over the division of the tribe of Manasseh's descendants, and Abaddon, son of Gideoni, was over the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin's descendants, the military divisions of the camp of Dan's descendants, with their banner set out, serving as the rear guard for all the camps. And Ahiezar, son of Amashadai, uh, was over their divisions. Pagiel, son of Akron, was over the division of the tribe of Asher's descendants. And Ahira, son of Enon, was over the division of the tribe of Naphtali's descendants. This was the order of march for the Israelites by their military divisions as they set out. Moses said to Hobab, descendant of Raul the Midianite, and Moses' relative by marriage, Raul the Midianite, uh, that came out weird, Moses said to Hobab and Raul, both of them, we're setting out for the place the Lord promised, when he said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. But he replied to him, I don't want to go. Instead, I will go to my own land and my relatives. Please don't leave us, Moses said, since you know where we should camp in the wilderness and you can serve as our eyes. If you come with us, whatever good the Lord does for us, we will do for you. They set out from the mountain of the Lord on the three on a three-day journey with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant traveling ahead of them for those three days to seek a resting place for them. Meanwhile, the cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. Whenever the ark set out, Moses would say, Arise, Lord, let your enemies be scattered and those who hate you flee from your presence. And when it came to rest, he would say, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Now, the people began complaining. The people began complaining openly about the Lord, uh, before the Lord, about hardship. When the Lord heard, his anger burned, and fire from the Lord blazed among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. And then the people cried out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Taborah, because the Lord's fire had blazed among them. The riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again and said, Who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. The manna resembled coriander seed, and its appearance was like that of delium. The people walked around and gathered it. They ground it on a pair of grinding stones or crushed it in a mortar and then boiled it in a cooking pot and shaped it into cakes. And it tasted like a pastry cooked with the finest oil. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Speaking of moral complaints against God, right? Moses asked the Lord, why have you, God, you did this to me. Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so you should tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their ancestors? 
Where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are weeping to me, saying, Give us meat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They're too much for me. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I have found favor with you and don't let me see my misery anymore. <laughs> Do you think your pastor has ever prayed like that about you? I can't. These people are too much for me. Lord, if you're going to treat me like this, please kill me now if I've found favor with you. <laughs> The Lord answered Moses. Oh, the Lord does answer, doesn't he? The Lord answered Moses, Bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the Spirit, capital S, I will take some of the Spirit who is on you and put the Spirit on them. They will help you bear the burden of these people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. Tell the people, Consecrate yourselves in readiness for tomorrow and you will eat meat because you wept in the Lord's hearing when you said, Who will feed us meat? We were better off in Egypt. The Lord will give you meat and you will eat. You will eat not for one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days, but for a whole month until... It comes out your nostrils and becomes nauseating to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and wept before him saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses replied, I'm in the middle of a people with 600,000 foot soldiers, yet you say I will give them meat and they will eat for a month? If flocks and herds were slaughtered for them, they would, not, would, we, would they have enough? Or if all the fish in the sea were caught for them, would they have enough? Pause. You notice that those food provision narratives like feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, those aren't new. We're a bunch of complainers. Even Moses is a complainer. The Lord answered Moses. Is the Lord's arm weak? Now you will see whether or not what I have promised will happen to you. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the Spirit, capital S, who was on Moses and placed the Spirit on the 70 elders. As the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them. They were among those listed, but they had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses since his youth, responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses asked him, Are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Then Moses returned to the camp along with the elders of Israel. It's rather ironic given that we are now all a kingdom of priests. A wind sent by the Lord came up and blew quail from in from the sea. It dropped them all around the camp. They were flying three feet off the ground for about a day's journey in every direction. The people were up all that day and night and all the next day gathering the quail. 
The one who took the least gathered 60 bushels, and they spread them out all around the camp. While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the Lord's anger burned against the people, and the Lord struck them with a very severe plague, so they named that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people who had craved the meat. From Kibroth Hatava, the people moved on to Hezeroth and remained there. Miriam, another test coming. Miriam and Aaron, this is Aaron. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of a Cushite woman he married, for he had married a Cushite woman. They said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, You three, come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out, and then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two of them came forward, he said, Listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I will speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you afraid? Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And then Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses, If her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move until Miriam was brought back in. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. And that gets us up through Numbers chapter 12. Three quick lines. Uh, This from Peter John Naylor's commentary. The heart of the matter is unbelief and forgetfulness, which leads to discontent and complaining. My friends, true humility consists in a commitment to obeying God's will to the point of self-denial, and such self-sacrifice can leave a person vulnerable and forced to cast himself on God to protect and sustain. That said, I'm going to sneak in just a couple Proverbs for our wisdom segment, and we'll close with prayer. Proverbs 13, picking up in 4. The slacker craves, yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. I think I'm just going to wait right there. I'm just going to pause right there. That's worth repeating. The slacker craves, yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. Lord God, would you would you give us each a heart check today? Lord, I am not always so awesome in my humbleness. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I want to be committed to obeying your will. 
to the point of self-denial. Lord, I I see around me, but I want to take the log out of my own eye. Where, Lord, in my heart is unbelief and forgetfulness? Lord, remind us of who you are yet again. And Lord, by the power of your Spirit, create in me and in us a new heart, a renewed heart, a willing heart, and sustain us by the power of your Spirit, Lord, because that's the only way we can do this. I love you, my friends. Amen.